Well, praise God. I wasn't sure where I was going, but I know now. So get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Acts chapter 3. I'm going to preach my message backwards tonight. Well, it's not backwards. It's backwards from the way I wrote it down. Man. Come on, electronics function. The name of Jesus. Thank you. Okay. Um, last couple of weeks on a Wednesday night, you know, I started preaching this about being bold believers. I thought I was three last week, but I, I'm going to give you one more. Uh, one more. This is, this is going to be uh, bold believers number three. And uh, I don't want to review because I'll get started off over in that. But, <clears throat> you know, we talked the first week about what is a minister? What are we doing as ministers? And then the second week we talked about our hearts and our blood, the blood of Jesus over our lives, and how we're going to do that. Then I gave you the, the, the 316s, okay? So I hope you wrote those down, remember. But I want to go into something a little different tonight uh, about, about ministry, okay? Because, see, I really believe with all of my heart we're coming into a time that you as the members of, of, of the church, you as the members of this, we're going we're gonna to get our, con what's going to happen is, and I, I, is our concepts is going to change from coming to church and being spectators to coming and being the church and being participators. That's really what's going to happen. You're going to find yourselves in situations you're going to be shocked when you just reach over to pray for somebody and you see God just does a miracle form right there. Or, you know, you're going to have confidence and you're going to have boldness on the inside of you to be who Jesus called us to be. And the church, the body, the ecclesia, that's truly the church is going to begin to function, it's going to begin to work. Now, I want to tell you all this. I don't know if it's because times are going to get tough or that the church is just going to wake up, all right? And it don't make no difference to me. I just want to do what Jesus called us to do and, uh, you know, go on with that. Uh, and, and so anyway, I want, that's why I'm giving you these messages about being ministers. I'm trying to get you in thinking in these realms and let the Spirit of God work with you. And so uh, did I tell you where to go? Acts 3. Let's just start reading here in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple about the hour to pray about the ninth hour. Okay, now get this. Get this. This, this is not a new temple, right? This is the same temple Jesus went into, the same temple he went in there with the, the money changers. Jesus had walked through the same path that they're walking through, Peter and John are walking through, had walked by this, and this same door, in this same pathway, his whole life there. Now, a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Now, this guy, you've got to understand something, did not just get deposited there that day. Because it says they laid him there daily. So I have to say that Jesus... The Son of God, the healer, walked past this lame man going to the temple and never did anything. I want you all to get that imagery in your mind. Okay? They went to, and he was at the gate beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So, again, what did he have? Did he have a bowl? You know, was he sticking out? Did he just stick his hand out? I don't know, okay? And so fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter said, look at us. Now, 
Does it not strike you unusual that if Jesus walked by this lame man all the time, that that day something happened to Peter and John, that they addressed this guy? Well, one thing had happened, they'd gotten full of the Holy Ghost. Right? So let's just say it like this. <sighs> they had just been regular church people going to church, missing the whole concept of church by leaving the lame man there who was in need. Just going to church to do their duties. Gosh, I'm going to get my seat. Has somebody gotten my seat? Uh, you know, we got to get in there and get to the place that we want to get to. We got to go, you know, we got to move in. You know, uh, you know, what's going on? What's going to happen today? Just going to their normal routine, right? Because these guys went to church. So they're going to church and something was different. They didn't walk into church that Sunday as just regular church people. They walked into church that day full of the Holy Ghost. So because they were full of the Holy Ghost, what had already happened in Acts chapter 2, and you can go back and read all of that, go buy my book, go do something. But they, they, they had already gotten full of the Holy Ghost, and so now when they walked into church, all of a sudden ministry was before them. The thought of ministry, there's a need, we need to meet it. Right? But it was because of the Holy Ghost. So they walked into the church and they said, and Peter, okay, the, the blind man is asking for alms. He's asking, or the lame man, excuse me, is asking. You know, I don't feel so bad when I mess up. I was listening to a really big preacher the other day preaching, and he said, he said now when uh, Moses got off the boat, and when, when the, all the, the flood had settled, and he was going along like this, and he had a friend up on the stage, and so he let him go with there for a while, and he said, Moses? And he's like, that's what I get for watching the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so he was a lame man, not a blind man. He was a lame man at the gate, and he was about to go in. And so he's, but he's asking something from them, right? He's asking. So he's in a, a mode of expectation, all right? So they fixed their eyes on him, and John and Peter said, look at us. Because apparently he's already, like, he didn't get anything out of them. He's going to the next one. And so he said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Yeah. Whoo! That, that spirit of expectation, I've always said, a spirit of expectation breeds an atmosphere for miracles. Yeah. I have seen it a, a, so many times in the foreign field, being there, and, and, and I know that it's just me, it's just old Robert from Sabinow, man, I ain't nothing. And, but I'm down there, I'm, I'm Dr. Richards, man, and I'm going in and all the people looking at me, there's a great expectation. And it breeds an atmosphere for miracles. And so you go in there and he says, look at us. So the game is expecting, expecting. Everybody say expecting. God will do anything for you if, you're in a, if you have the spirit of expectation on you. If you're just going to church to put up, Check mark up there. You ain't gonna. You're not. You're not expecting. If you're just going to church to just see what happens, you know, you're just in. You're a spectator. You're just going to see what goes on. Who's there? Who you might go eat lunch with? You know, that's the end of your expectation. And there's nothing wrong with that. I was so blessed this week because I went in the cafe and on a Monday. Monday, I went to eat lunch at the cafe. Somebody 
was taking me there and we went to the cafe and I looked around and there was like four tables of Living Waters Church people all sitting there. All, everybody had somebody and they were all talking and they were all deep into conversation. And I was like, where'd it go, folks? You're not just you know, doing something. Praise God. That's what this is about. So anyway, I've lost it. Okay, so here was, so he had that expectation to receive something from them. And Peter said, I know you, I'm paraphrasing. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. He says, I know you want some money, but I don't have any. I know your expectation is for the, 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 the material thing. Now, you see, folks, here we go again. A regular church person is just looking for just the, the, the base. They're just looking for just the base. Their expectation's not in anything. Great, maybe somebody will give them a smile. Maybe they're depressed when they came to church and just, somebody's going to give them a smile. They get to say something to somebody or something. You know, that's all their expectation is. Not, not walking through the doors of the church, gathering as a, the body, the ecclesia of God, the believers all together saying, oh my gosh, today is my day. I, when, they, when the first note that hits on the praise and the worship, man, my spirit's going to launch into heaven. I'm going to be talking to, up there with the angels in heaven at the throne of God. I'm going to say the name of Jesus and everything's going to change. Well, it sounded like the service was a little off today. <laughs> that music wasn't quite right. You know, it sounded like a, you know, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Your expectation is what's bringing the miracles into your life. If you're not expecting anything, you're not going to get anything. Because faith works, hello, with that hope and expectation, faith comes about and brings the, activates the law of faith, which brings about what you need. Okay, so here it goes. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. Wow, he knew what he had. Think about that. How many Christians are walking on the face of the earth and something comes up, something happens and something, and then all of a sudden they're like, they're, they're, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? I thought about this morning. And, and, you know, I'm a big dreamer and I'm a big visual person. I, 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 I see everything in my mind. I, I, I dream and I see and, I, and, and that's just who I am. I've always been like that. I've always been to just be as creative as I'll get out. I can dream at night, full movies. I'm not talking about I saw a movie and I'm repeating it. I have them in my head. Movies going on. So anywho, when he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. And how many Christians don't know what they got? And I, I, and this, I got to dreaming this. And I said, man, you know, in 1985, I won the lotto. I won the eternal lotto. In 1985, I won the lotto. Because I was born again in 1985. And I won the lotto. I didn't know what all the value of the lotto was. I didn't understand fully everything that I won. But I could literally say to somebody, I said, man, why are you happy all the time? I'm happy because I won the lotto in 1985. It's bigger than 300 million. It took me into eternal life. And then, then, then as I began to read the... Uh, contract of the, uh, uh, the agreement that I won, the, the lotto that I won. Then when I began to read it, Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do greater works than those. Amen. And so people said, well, I just don't know, Pastor. I just don't see that happening like it should be. But folks, what you do not understand is you may not be seeing that in an American church, but I'm telling you around the world, they're raising the dead. 
I'm telling you, around the world, Christians are being persecuted more than they ever have been persecuted ever since Jesus was resurrected. But there are more miracles taking place. There are more people getting saved. There are more amazing things taking place. Jesus is appearing into Muslim nations. They're seeing him. They're getting saved. Their lives are being changed. They're preaching. They're going out. They're doing all kinds of unbelievable things. So don't sit here and look at your white-walled church and say, well, it's just been like this. We always just go to church. We sing some songs. A preacher preaches 10 minutes, and we go out there. We do, 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 do. And I'm telling you what, that's what's ruined you. Because you don't know what's in you. Because I won the lotto in 85, and bless God, I'm going out with a bang. I don't know what the Russians are going to do. I don't know what the North Koreans are going to do. I don't know what the Chinese are going to do. I don't know what the Iranians are going to do. But I know what I'm going to do. Hello? I'm going to believe Jesus because I know what's on the inside of me. He was... He is the son of God and he was resurrected from the dead to show he was the son of God. And he said that the works that we do, that I do, greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to the father. Amen. Then he said over there in Hebrews 7, he's going to intercede for me. And he's over there talking to me, come on, dad, we're going to make this happen for Robert. And I'm going to let some sniveling, worldly something or another take something from me when I'm not even operating in the same plane as he's operating in. But see, so many people, oh, we got churches taking the Bible and just ripping pages out of it and claiming this is what we're going to do because we've got to keep the public, you know, we've got to, we got to, you know, we don't want to get too crazy. We've got to keep the public. What are you talking about? No, we want a power gospel. We want a gospel that delivers drug addicts. We want a gospel that sets alcoholics free. We want a gospel that sets people in, in, in the, the worst situation into glory. That's what we want. Well, we're not going to have it if we don't have an expectation for it. If you think, well, it's just going to be the same old thing. It's going to be the same old thing. It's going to be the same old thing. Peter said, I, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have something you need. I do have something you need. And look what he says. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Now, look at verse 7. And he took him by the hand. So this expectation that you're, ha you're, you're, you're walking in has to be the expectation that Peter reached over there and took the lame man by his hand because he was going to help him up. So don't get your story wrong. He didn't say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the guy jumps up. He reached out because Peter was seeing, he knew what he had on the inside of him, full of the Holy Ghost. Hello? But now let me, talk, let me show you something else. Okay, now I'm going to take you somewhere else. And so then the man, he leapt up, he stood, he, he, he entered the temple, then walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that, that it was the same guy that sat at the gate, and he was healed. Okay? All right. Now I want you to go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, I believe. Mark 9, 14. <clears throat> Now, this is a story when Jesus is going up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He left the disciples down there, and he didn't. He, he went up with, with Peter, James, and John and went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? Right. Now, of course, you got, let's get our timeline straight here. This is before the day of Pentecost, okay. right? So Mark 9, 14, Jesus comes down from the mountain. He sees something going on, and it says, And when they came to the disciples, 
he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who was a mute spirit. And, and, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground and he foams at the mouth and gnashes at the teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Wow. Didn't Jesus give the disciples authority to walk over, go, go everywhere and preach the gospel and, and, and heal the sick and do all this kind of stuff? Isn't that what they gave him? But all of a sudden, something's happened now. They're not operating in the power. What took the power away? The scribes disputing with them. You see, if you can be talked out of it, you didn't really believe it. I remember years ago. I mean, we're talking, we're talking 1987, something like that, 88. I was working as a carpenter, and uh, I had a, there was a, a, a friend that worked with me, and we, it was the two of us building and, and the master builder, and so we were working, and, and so he gets, he gets on, he watched some show about aliens at night, and so he's talking to me about aliens. You know, you believe in, you know, you believe in extraterrestrials, you believe in, you know, there's life other place else, and I said, look, man, I don't know. I said, man, come on, let's just drive nails. And this is the day we had no nail guns. Man, you drove 16-penny nails all day long with a hammer, you know, and and uh, so I said, let's just work, you know, just work. And he just would not leave me alone. Well, how's that fit in the Bible? You know, what about if there are aliens? And they, you know, what are you going to do if a little uh, space ship, ship, ship just lands out there and little green men come out? You know, what are you going to do? And finally, I got tired of it. And I said, let me just tell you something. I just want to tell you this. Uh, this is what I'm going to tell you today is my belief of extraterrestrials. I said, I don't know. Don't care. I said, all I can tell you is I know that they're subject unto my God. Because my Bible tells me my God created everything. If they subject to my God and they land out there, they better bow their name to the name of Jesus or I'll shoot them. So can we leave it at that and go to work? My point is it couldn't be, no matter how he was trying, he was doing it just to rattle me. He was doing it just to try to to knock me off base, okay? And I was a young Christian, didn't know a lot, but at that point, that's all I could come up with. I said, they're subject unto my God because my Bible tells me he created all things. End of story, that's it. Because it's a belief, it was my, it's my belief. Well, if you, can, if you don't have a core belief, you can be talked out of it. So something happened with those disciples that it really wasn't rooted down on the inside of them, no matter that they had gone out and seen miracles. When they started disputing with them, that's what's wrong with the church today. The church today has been disputed over so much. They're trying to tell us <clears throat> and just get mad at me. I don't care. They're trying to tell me if I go get a little piece of tissue and put over my faith face, well, then I'm, I'm being conscientious of other people. And I'm like, no. I don't, you know, I don't believe that works. And so, I mean, give me a hazmat suit, yes, but a little thin piece of surgical mask and put over my face, and that makes me, that's denoting me as conscientious. Do you know, folks, that we've been in this thing, this mask-wearing thing for two years, and we've been in it so long that now people are having anxiety to take it off. Seriously. They're going to have to open clinics to help people quit wearing the mask and that seems kind of crazy for us because we were non-mask wearers anyway but but there's people out there think about that oh my gosh think about it somebody that's so trapped in fear and and and, and just like oh my god if i take it off I'll, I'll die 
And they're there. Children are messed up. Because they didn't have a core belief then on the inside of them, so therefore they could be told anything and believe it and go do it. Well, the church is doing the same thing. They're saying, well, this is, oh, this is accepting. This is the way it should be. We've got to allow this. We've got to allow that. And in doing so, they have been just like the scribes, disputing with the disciples until they talk them out of the core belief and said, no, Jesus will heal you. I mean, I'm just preaching good. I mean, I'm just telling the truth and people need to hear it. Because the problem is, is if we keep disputing with people, the next thing you know, you're just like a lamb going to the slaughter and put your head on the block and get it chopped off. And they'll convince you that that was the glorious thing to do. I will admit that when, when, when COVID started and everybody was talking about this and we can't have gatherings and stuff like that, you know, I didn't know what to do. Nobody trained you for something like that. Did you know that there's more pastors quitting the ministry right now than they've ever done before? And the reason why is, is because they can't take the pressure of the social things going on and, and what are they supposed to do and what are they not supposed to do? And they don't really have any strength on the inside of them and they're being pulled by their congregations left and right and they don't know whether to shut the doors or open the doors or put on masks or don't put on masks or everybody's got to get vaccinated or don't get vaccinated or get, use this one or use that one or whatever like that. And the pressure is too much. They said, I said, quit. It is a spirit. This what was in the scribes and the Pharisees was not just they were mean people. It was a spirit, a demonic spirit trying to talk them out of what the Bible says. Well, give that one to me, okay? What Jesus said. How about that? But we're being trying to talk out of what the Bible says. And it's a demon spirit. It is a demonic spirit loosed on the face of the earth. Okay. Let's just do a little, let's just do a little, uh, whatever you call it, uh, test, litmus test, okay? If you wake up one morning and say, I would really like to be the most powerful person in the world, and I don't care how many people I have to kill to do it, I would like to do that. Do you think that would be of God or of the devil? Hello? Pretty easy one, right? Wow. But don't we see that going on right now in the world today? Well, just five million Ukrainians. It won't make any difference. Oh, man, I, 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 I wept today when I looked at some live footage in the Ukraine of this area that is being the first in the attack. And, and I looked and I just, I just, just shook my head and, and just I wept because the people were walking down the streets and they had masks on. And I'm like, if the Russians are about to attack, you really think that wearing a mask gonna make any difference? I mean, really, you should not even be concerned about the COVID. Hello? Because it's not gonna stop a mortar. It won't even stop a virus, much less stop a mortar or an AK-47 round, but that's a deceit people can get. We're going to run for our life. Oh, get the mask. Holy moly. Okay, so now jump over to uh, Luke chapter 9. Same story, verse 37, Luke 9, 37. Same story, okay, just 
in Luke's gospel. It says, Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him, and suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implored you to look on my son, for he is my only child, and my Holy Spirit seizes him, and suddenly he cries out and convulses him that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implore your disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Bring, be with you and bear with you. Bring your son here. Now, is that not a strange kind of thing to say to the poor father who's trying to get his son healed? I don't believe Jesus directed it to him. I believe he just directed it to his disciples. And just saying, my gosh. What is wrong with you guys? You got talked out of what I told you to do? So if that's what Jesus said to disciples, what is Jesus going to say to the church today? Ouch. Let's see. Bring your son here. And as they were still coming, the demon threw him down, convulsed him. Now look here. Looky here. Verse 42 is what I want you to focus in on. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. He healed the child and he gave him back to his father. Now, I want you to get something down and, and get it down in your heart. It's a simple thing of ministering to people. The first step is, all right, you got to get the devil out. Now, I'm not going to say you got to cast it out like, you know, in the name of Jesus come out and you got to, ah, and you know, you got to. I could tell y'all stories that would, tonight you just say, Pastor, I didn't know you were that crazy. I didn't know. But I'm telling you, I've been in situations, and there is times that you have to cast the devil out. But it also has a broader application. Sometimes people are just tormented. Some people are just oppressed of the devil. And they're tormented, and they don't know the truth. And the truth has to be told them in order for the break. That's why I love Freedom Press. That's why we're going to put the Freedom Center out here to have people come from all over the world and be set free from the lie of the devil. People are sowed a lie. And when they get that lie in them, the devil immediately starts to destroy them, destroy them in their heart, destroy them in their minds, destroy them in their souls, destroy them in their bodies. And the very first thing you need to understand about ministry is you got to get the devil out. Okay? He said he, he healed the child. Let me find my scripture. I skipped here. He rebuked the unclean spirit. Then he healed the child. Okay? He got the devil out of the way. And then he brought the restoration in. And then it says the third thing is he gave him back to the father. So you get the devil out of the way. You bring the restoration in. And then you get that fellowship restored to the father. It's a simple principle. It's nothing complicated about it. And I want to tell you something. Every person that comes to you and they say, I need prayer, immediately if you would start to think, okay, we've got to get the devil out of the way, we've got to heal what he's destroyed, and we've got to get fellowship restored back to the Father, it, ministry is just simply it. It's over. Those three things. Get the devil out of the way, restore and heal whatever, you know. So let's just put it this way. So the devil so to lie, nobody loves you. You say, that's a lie the devil. You address it right now. Just You need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Healing would be whatever scripture. Use the, use the 316 scripture. God so loved the world. 
God loves you. Now there's bringing healing back into it, okay? And then you say, and God, let me help you get hold of heaven today and restore the relationship that you've lost with your father because as long as you've been thinking devil talk, you haven't been thinking father talk. So therefore, let me help you get you restored back to the father. And then you know what? God will take care of it from there. It's a simple principle. Three steps. But as long as you're disputing, you're never going to get, the, you know, the, there's a dispute going on in you. You're not going to move forward. You're going to stay in that court system of disputing and trying to prove what's right or what's wrong instead of just saying, look, I, you get, just get out of the way. Now, I want you to look at Isaiah 59.1. Isaiah 59.1. See, I like things black and white. I just like it, black and white, it is what it is, believe it or don't, don't try to twist it around. I think Isaiah 59.1 says it just about as plain as a person could, could ever receive it. It says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Here you go, here you go, it's not God's fault. It's our fault, but your, everybody say mine. mine, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So once you remove the obstacle that's in between the person and the father, the sin, and you get it out of the way, then there's a free flow right back that God's hand's not short that it can't save. God's ear's not heavy that it can't hear. So now all of a sudden his hand starts saving and his ear starts hearing. I mean, we get too technical in everything. We get too technical in everything. We, we go and, and write books over things that really should just be simple and just, you know, do it. And we have to cut it apart and dissect it and diagnose it and this and that and the other and look at this and look at that and we're here and there and this and you did da 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 One night we were in Mexico at a pastor's conference and uh, I was sitting up on the front row and Sister Annie was preaching and, and she, you know, I was about from me to Darcy away from her from the pulpit and, and she started looking at me and then she was, she was preaching and then she'd look at me and then she'd preach and she was looking at me and I kept thinking, what is she, what's going on? And so finally, she's, then she's kind of like, uh, you know, she makes this little hand gesture, and I'm like, something's going on. So I turned around and looked, and there was this guy coming down. The, 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 the auditorium was, was, had two uh, aisles that come in, you know, at an angle like that. And I looked up that aisle, and there's a guy coming down the aisle, and, and I mean, obviously, something's not right. And so I thought, oh, okay, you know. And so I got up, and I, I went around, because this guy was kind of aggressive, and I, I was thinking, she was telling me to, you know, take care of the situation. And so I get up, and uh, nobody's with me, just me, and I, I, I don't have any of the other guys that everybody else is doing something. And so I come to the guy, and I, and I put my hand out like this, knowing he, he, he was, you know, we're in Mexico, so he wasn't going to be speaking English. But when I caught a hold of his eyes, I said, uh-oh, there's more than, you know, there's more than meets the ear here. <laughs> and I said, I rebuke, I just jumped up, and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I said, you foul devil from the pit of hell, you ain't going to do nothing. And this person just, just like a hit him in the face with a wet rag. 
And so I just kept on him. I just, man, I started backing him up, backing him up. Said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not come in here. You will not do anything. And I just kept backing this guy up. And I backed him all the way up the aisle till we got outside into the courtyard. And, and then so some other people saw what was going on because I, I was loud. And, and so they came over there. And a whole bunch got around. And we all got around this guy. We started praying for him in a minute. And a minute he broke. And a minute he started weeping. And a minute they led him to the Lord. And he got saved. So after the meeting's over with, the guys all get me over there and say, man, that was amazing. And I said, not really. I said, I mean, I was just using the name of Jesus. Just, you know, I just knew it. And he said, no, it was amazing that God didn't kill you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean he didn't kill me? He said, that's the leading boxer in this section of Mexico. He said, if he had hit you one time, he'd have killed you. I said, well, I'm glad I didn't know that. <laughs> That didn't figure into my equation. I didn't know who I was attacking here in the physical. Okay, point being, man, the devil's got a bow to the name of Jesus. And the problem is sin gets sin out of the way, and then you can get somebody healed, and then you can get them restored back to the Father. Amen? Okay, let me give you this, another scripture, James 1.21. James 1.21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Can I just change it a little bit and say the implanted truth of the word? Because yeah. once you get the implanted truth of the word on the inside of you, it's able to save your soul. Make sure you turn your phone off before you come to church. It's able to save your soul. Yeah. Right? So what you're going to give the person is the truth. The truth that sets you free. Right? Okay. Last one here. Go to Luke 10, 18. That was probably one of those people that love you so much and they call all the time concerned about your, your warranty on your vehicle. Or... <laughs> they have such care for us that they just want to help us out. Bring to our attention that we need to update our insurance or something. Holy moly. That's what I tell myself so I don't get mad. They just care so much for you, Robert. Luke 10, 18. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. There was no battle. There was no battle when this is in heaven. The devil drew up all he could. He mustered all he can. When he got in front of Jesus, he went, <laughs> I mean, how fast does lightning fall, right? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hold on. Now look what he says. Behold, I give who? You, right? I give you the authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over. Just It wasn't half power. It wasn't just. Just, just enough to maybe get eek you by in life. Just eek, 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 eek. No, no, no. It's enough, he says, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Look what he says here. He just gave you all the power and authority over everything the devil has by the name of Jesus. Right? Gave you all power, everything that there is. He said, but don't even get happy about that. That seems like something to just, you know, kick up your heels and shout hallelujah over, right? Yes. Nevertheless, do not rejoice over this, 
that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Think about that. Yeah. Your name is written in heaven. He says, just rejoice over that because that, and I'm just going by what Jesus is saying here, that is the ultimate victory. But listen, just, I mean, this is, I don't think you're getting it. Because it even shakes me, it even, even rattles my cage. If your name written in heaven is the ultimate victory, and then, then all devils subject to you and everything subject to you is below that, but we don't do it that way. We turn it the other way. We want to be Merlin the magician. We want to be the one that just, you know, speaks and fire shoots out and whatever happens and this happens and that happens and we, everything just bows and just falls. You know. But Jesus said, that's not the, once you know, you know that you know that you're saved and you know that your name's written in heaven, that's the greatest and everything else is just subsequent to you having a revelation that your name's in heaven. Amen. And I believe a lot of Christians don't know that their name's written in heaven. I believe a lot of people profess to be Christians, but they don't really have a revelation that their name is written in heaven. Because if you know your name's written in heaven and you're in the Lamb's book of life, well, then you have to carry that on to what I've been preaching on Sunday and even last Wednesday, that once, once your name's written in, the, in here, well, then that means that you're holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. And all these things have been given to you and everything falls out. And that, you know, Galatians 4, 6, you're a child of God and that you're... You know, Romans 8, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You know, Ephesians 3, that you're, you know, I mean, I could just go on and go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. But right? Because he's saying, I mean, this blows my mind when I read it. I read it and I'm just like, I don't see it like that. Because I even have been disputed with in my mind and in my thinking. But he says, oh, rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Because if you've got that revelation... All the rest is just fluff. Is I mean, do y'all get it? You mean hearing the words that are coming from my mouth? Right? I mean, it's just like, I, I read that and I'm like, wow. I'm missing it. I've got it turned upside down. I'm looking for the signs and the wonders when I should be knowing that the signs and the wonders are revelation that my name's written in heaven and that I'm saved and I'm born again. The rest then... Because what that does to you in your mind that you're already born again, man, heaven's your home. Everything Jesus has got is yours. When that revelation starts pouring in through you, then, it, then all this other junk starts falling off of you. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, yeah, devil subject, oh, pff, pff, trample on serpents and scorpions. Because you understand the first one. And it all goes back to those people disputing with the disciples, disputing with the disciples, and stealing. I got it. Stealing this. Look back again at nine, at Luke 9. This is what they stole. Luke 9, 42, go to 43. Luke 9, 43, and they were all amazed at the majesty of God. What, they, what that demon spirit was trying to do by telling the disciples they couldn't heal was to take away the majesty of God that was going to take place when the boy was healed. So 
The next thing, okay, heal the child, or cast out the devil, heal the child, restore him to the father for this purpose, that the majesty of God may be revealed. Amen. Not the glory for us, the glory for him. The majesty of God. So I was dwelling on this today, thinking about oh, the majesty of God, the majesty of God. You remember that old song we used to sing? Majesty, worship his majesty. I was thinking about that. But I was thinking about majesty. You know, the Red Sea parting. Pretty big event, right? I mean, when I say the majesty of God to me, to you it may mean something different, but to me it means it's one of those things that you say, Wow, God. It, it may be finding the keys that you had lost, okay? When you say, wow, God, how did you do that? Or just, you know, it's maybe not necessarily the parting of the Red Sea to be a wow. But any time that you feel like you've got to say, golly, God, how did you pull that off? That is the majesty of God, Amen. which is our, our ultimate goal, yes. the majesty of Seeing the majesty of God. Yes. Amen? Amen? And that's what I want to see. The majesty of God coming forth. When you think nothing's going to change and all of a sudden the next morning you wake up and it's all changed. Yes. Or you didn't see how God was going to get you out of it, but you were believing him. Lord, I don't know how you're going to pull this off, but you're going to do it. And then boom, he pulls it off and you're like, wow. Did you work all those things around? That's a wow factor, which means the majesty of God. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be bold believers. And we're going to cast out the devil. We're going to heal what he's destroyed. And we're going to restore relationship back with the Father so we can see the majesty of God. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, I want to see the majesty of God. Praise God. Well, stand to your feet. I want to pray this over you so you do not lose this message. Pop, Father, I pray right now. We want to see your majesty. But Lord, we do not forget that what you said was the greatest thing is to know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for every person that truly in their heart believes, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and believes that you arose from the dead that that person can ask you to come into their lives and their sins can be forgiven and they can have a right relationship restored back to the Father and their names are written in the book of life. Father, I pray tonight any person that doesn't know you, Jesus, they'll call out upon you and that, Lord, that their hearts will be touched and their lives will be touched and changed and their sins will be forgiven and they will re be restored back to a relationship with the Father. Father, I pray tonight over people that have gone as Christians and have gotten discouraged and dismayed in life that this message would hit them right between the eyes and that, Lord, that they would realize that they forgot their first love, they forgot their, their, the first thing, which is our names are written in the book of life. And it would bring a revelation to them, Lord God, and set them free. I pray over the body of Christ, the whole ecclesia, Lord God, your body that you bled on the cross for, that we would wake up, O oh God, and see that we've already won the lotto better than the lotto. We've won with our names being written in the book of life and Lord God all else under our feet. 
And Lord, that we would wake up and we would see how powerful the church is and how Christians can change this world by simply being ministers. Lord, I pray it over each and every one of us that people dream dreams and visions and, and just get stirred up. And, and, and Lord God, that, that we become the body of Christ reaching out into this world. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to put that Isaiah 59, 1, that strong hand upon us. Lord God, keep us where we need to be and get us on the right path. I pray over every one of them, Lord God, that their hearts would be knit with yours and that we'd be knit together as one body. And Lord, I just ask you to bless them exceedingly abundant beyond they could ever even think or ask. Bless their finances, bless their relationships, bless their families, bless everything they walk into. Lord, let them see that they have won through you, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for them. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church.